Welcome home and welcome to the Mount Carmel Ministries podcast. Today we hear Dave Wallen's third sermon that he preached at family camp last summer. At the beginning and end of this episode, you hear some wonderful music from the Hoff family band. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 8. John chapter 
We're going to be looking at a reading that's um, often read on Reformation Sunday, John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. John 8, 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, You will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The Gospel of the Lord. So, uh, back on Monday night, which seems like three weeks ago, um, we talked about the law, uh, the function of the law, and how we are convicted by the law. On Tuesday, uh, after a, a, an amazing uh, drama, um, we also talked about the gospel and how we're made new by this new voice that comes in um, and by the Spirit. So the question is now, now what? What does this new life look like? So how many of you have ever seen, we've been talking about movies this morning, so I got another movie, we don't have to show it tonight, but um, how many of you have ever seen the movie The Shawshank Redemption? Rated, I think, the number one movie in IMBD, um, although it lost the Best Picture uh, Award to Forrest Gump, I believe. But it's a phenomenal movie, actually based on a Stephen King novel. And um, it's about life in prison, Shawshank. And uh, there's a particular character in the movie, Brooks. Brooks has been in, in Shawshank prison for a long time. He's the librarian. He, he brings uh, books down uh, the cell rows and uh, um, slips them to the people and works in the new library. And um, he's kind of carved, he's got like a pet bird, I think. It was it a bird? I think it was a pet bird um, that he kept in his pocket and stuff. Uh, but, uh, and Brooks had kind of just carved off, carved out a nice little niche for himself in the prison until Brooks gets paroled. He's going to be set loose from prison, and Brooks does not like this idea. In fact, he threatens uh, another convict's life, a friend of his, just so that he could stay in prison. But he ends up um, getting out, and they, they drop him off, and he's got a new suit and a hat and a briefcase, and they're like, go. And they set him up with a, a job bagging groceries at a supermarket, um, a little apartment, and, uh, you know, this should be like, finally, dream come true for him, right? It was terrifying for him. Brooks had never seen an automobile before, and so he's like just, you know, he's like, everything moves so fast out here. I don't know what to do. I, I keep asking for permission to use the bathroom, and, I, you know, I, I mean, that's what I'm used to. I'm used to the, the, the strict routine of, of Shawshank Prison. And he's, he's berated by his boss at... Uh, um, uh, the grocery store for not going fast enough, and he's just like, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about, he goes, he's looking at pawn shop windows, looking at, at guns, and like, I don't know, maybe I should rob a bank or something so I can get back where I want, you know, back where I feel safe, back in my comfort zone. 
And tragically, Brooks ultimately cannot take life out of prison. And so he hangs himself. Spoiler alert. Um, that is uh, contrasted to later in the movie when another convict gets out. He experiences some of the same things, but finally realizes at the end what freedom looks like. Sometimes we just can't break the bonds of our old life. That old life that just ingrained patterns into us, uh, ingrained a way of life, and we actually become comfortable in that, that life of prison, that life of slavery, right? We talked about the, the Israelites set free from slavery, then longing for it again. Uh, at least we knew what we had, you know, what was coming there. We, we knew what to expect. We could uh, hang around the flesh pots and, and so on. And they just, sometimes we just don't know how to do freedom. And yet Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. I ran across a tweet from Jim Bueller. I think that's his name today. I, I don't know, I don't follow him on Twitter, but someone that I follow liked this tweet and I was like, and it so popped up on my thing. It turns out he's, uh, I think, maybe planning a church in Wilmer, so not too far from me. But it was on the prodigal son, which has kind of come up in some of our, our teaching um, this week, and it caught my attention. Um, it says, the prodigal son shows uh, a man who thought he was a slave desire his own freedom, who then realized his version of freedom proved to be slavery, who then decided to sell himself back into slavery to his father, but is greeted with sonship and freedom with conditionless grace. In his next, next tweet, he said, grace is scandalous. We don't know how to live in this grace. We don't know what to do. And it surprises us sometimes, so much so that it catches us off guard. And it's like, what? Totally free? Totally free? What, what am I supposed to do with that? I don't know how to live in this. I'm used to the bonds of the law and sin. In his next tweet, he says, the parable of the prodigal son also shows us a man who thought he was a son, but really a slave who then realized his slavery wasn't paying off, who then decided to ridicule his perception of sonship, but is also entreated to cast off his bonds and enjoy the party like we sang about last night. The older son, bitter son, you know, didn't recognize, uh, uh, you know, thought he was a son, but was really kind of a slave to, to that sinful desire and didn't, didn't uh, uh, know how to be free, and uh, ridicules it, but um, the father asks him to come party as well. And so the next tweet, he says, slavery to performance kills. Slavery to performance kills. He's, that younger son wasn't performing correctly. I've been for performing correctly. Where's my party, right? And yet grace is still scandalous. Well, come on in. Come on in to the party, he says. So I've got Vanna up there, my dear wife. Uh, hold up Sinner Dave again, you know, just as a review for those of you that were uh, uh, here on Monday paying attention. We remember, you remember Sinner Dave? Sam was really excited to see this over there. So, yep, Sinner Dave, he was, he was a bad dude. Um, and uh, if Sinner Dave was in the story of the prodigal son, well, he could be both sons. 
he would be the prodigal son, the younger son, who was drawn to immorality, reckless living, right? Extravagant living. But also the older son, who was drawn to self-righteousness, his own little, little God project. Both of them needed the law to show them the futility of their lifestyles, right? The prodigal uh, realized that his immoral idols led to death and disillusionment. And then the older son uh, recognized that his God projects and legalism don't pay off. They can't pay off. They are not enough. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks for thinking of everyone. Uh, so, uh, Sinner Dave is a, is, is a bad prodigal. Uh, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So behold, let's behold uh, our other Dave here. Make sure he's not standing his head. This is, um, this is uh, uh, justified new creation uh, Saint uh, Dave, um, uh, clearly in his um, Pentecost Reformation Day um, uh, colors. Uh, this Dave is dead to sin, alive to Christ. Um, uh, Paul uh, asks the rhetorical question, should we go on sinning so that grace may abound? And, and by no means, you are new. This is new creation Dave. Um, and uh, uh, he was... Um, just as God spoke um, creation into existence through his word, uh, justified Dave was spoken into existence through God's word um, in uh, the waters of baptism. But what about uh, sinner Dave? What do we do with him? Well, uh, if, if uh, the old Adam, is what another way, uh, term we use for uh, sinner Dave, if the old Adam um, is drowned in baptism, we also learn that he's a good swimmer. Right, and he doesn't. Uh, he does. He likes to hang around in this life. Uh, we've been taught. We talked a little bit about Pat Lovis's class, Living Forgiven. And if I'm, if I remember correctly, and this was a long time ago, she used to say that we would drag this old Adam around like a corpse. Do you remember that? Okay, good. I'm not insane. We would drag this. Uh, Andrea knows what this is like. She drags me around all the time. But um, uh, anyone ever? See, okay, another movie. We don't have to watch this one though. Anyone remember the classic? Weekend at Bernie's. You know some of the guys do, right? Uh, you know, these, these two kind of college-age guys, they go to hang out at Bernie's house. Bernie's this rich, you know, guy, and then Bernie dies. But they're like, well, we don't want him to die because then our fun is going to be over. And so they just drag around the corpse of old Bernie for the weekend. And, uh, you know, he's, he's water skiing and stuff. He looked a lot like Nathan out there. Um, but, uh, no, just kidding. You were, you were phenomenal on those water skis. But... Uh, you know, and we do that with, with the old Adam. We just drag him around, and um, he gets heavy, and he, 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 he holds us back. Luther called this existence of both of them. Can you hold both of them out at the same time? You're good. All right. This is why I married her. Um, just kidding. Um, I mean, that's partly. Anyway, Luther called this. That's the old David talking. Uh, Luther called this existence, this, this old and new creation side by side. He, he, uh, in Latin, it's simul istus et peccator which means simultaneously justified and a sinner. We are simultaneously a saint and a sinner. And this is our existence 
in this world. We just, we, you know, I mean, and this makes sense to us, right? I mean, we, we, we you know, experience the sinner part all the time. We feel this, don't we? Um, we feel our sin. We experience the consequences of our sin, right? We talked about Sabbath today. If I don't keep the Sabbath, if I don't rest every once in a while, well, what become? you know, am I present, pleasant to be around, Andrea? Of course. Of course. That's the saint right there. But uh, no, I get cranky. I get less productive. I, 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 I'm tired and, I, and I kinda, I'm quicker to despair, right? That's the consequences of, of that sin. We see the results of our sin. We suffer the results of our sin. The old Adam is very much a, a, a daily reality for us. We, we experience the old Adam, the old Eve. But the new creation, on the other hand, the saint, is one of those classic examples of of what Lutherans like to call already and not yet. You are a new creation, and yet you are not yet a new creation. In your baptism, God brings forward the reality of that last day resurrection of the body. He gives us a promise And then he gives us faith to cling to that promise. So the new creation, then, is a child of faith. And by faith, we have assurance of the things we hope for, and we're convinced about the things that we don't see. By faith, we know that COVID is not going to win. By faith, we know we are convinced that there's more than this politically divided culture that we experience. By faith, we live assured that nothing can separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. You can, you can take those down there. You did a really good job. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Vanna. Vanna. You can put those right next to Paul Oman's picture because they're about the same. No, please don't. You already do. It's great. I was kidding about putting it there, but you can do that. Um, It was by faith, it was by faith that Abel offered his acceptable sacrifice to God, by faith that Noah built his ark when there was not a rain cloud in the sky. It was by faith that Abraham went when God said, go, by faith that his wife Sarah in her old age was able to conceive. It was by faith that Abraham was willing to even sacrifice Isaac and by faith that Isaac blessed Jacob, and Jacob blessed Joseph's sons. It was by faith that Moses was hidden when he was born, by faith that he identified with his suffering people as he aged, and by faith that he sought his invisible God. It was faith that allowed him to sprinkle the blood of the Passover lamb and lead his people across dry land. It was by faith that the walls of Jericho fell. And so the author of Hebrews continues, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. 
Some were tortured, refusing to, to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword by faith. The communion of saints have lived and endured by faith. Look around you. Look at these brothers and sisters who have endured cancer and addiction. They've endured loss and grief, poverty and want. They've witnessed to the Lord and even endured scorn. You are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Those who have gone before and those present around you. So then, what is it? Let us lay aside every sin and run with endurance the race that is set before us. Nathan mentioned the great short book by uh, Japanese, right? Watchman Nee, was he Japanese? Chinese. I should know that. The book's called Sit, Walk, Stand. It's uh, uh, on the book of Ephesians. And uh, I feel like when we come to Mount Carmel, we just get a chance to sit for a week and just be filled, filled with promises, filled with encouragement when it comes to faith. We get immersed in, like we're saying, the goodness of God, the promises of God. But the time is coming to walk, as Watchman Nee says, to walk around in the life of faith as Ephesians describes, to cling to the promises and then to live in them. Or as the author of Hebrews might prefer, to run, to run the race of faith. And so first, sit. Sit and soak in the promises that you are God's child. You are new. You are forgiven. You are free. He has set you free. You are free indeed. And then walk. Take a nice leisurely stroll, guided by that promise, or better yet, run. Run with endurance, the race that has been set before you. It's a path that's strewn with sinners and brokenness. And so go and run and witness and confess and shine. And always look to Jesus the author, the perfecter of your faith and the savior of your soul. Lord God, we give you thanks, Father, for, for giving us this new life, for your prodigal love for us, your reckless love for, for undeserving sinners like us. You have, you've taken us out of the miry clay and you've set our feet upon the rock of Christ Jesus, Lord. You've made us new. You've set us free, free indeed to live a new life, to walk around, to run with endurance the race that you've set before us. Lord, I thank you that we run it together, not only with those present here, but those waiting for us back home and those that have run the race before you, before us, the ones that you describe in Hebrews 11. 
And so run with us, Lord. And may we run to you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that uh, by your Holy Spirit, you live through us, you work through us, you shine through us, and you lead us to Jesus. So Lord, whatever it is that we've, we've, we've been sitting and soaking in this week, I pray that it would fuel that run, that it would motivate us, that it would encourage us, that it would uh, spur us on, and that we would run knowing that we do not run alone, for you are with us always to the end of the age. Amen. I'm going to take your songbooks back out. We're going to sing, God, You're So Good. And at our VBS a couple summers ago, we did the course with a little bit of sign language. So I think Peter and Annika are going to do that. If any of you kids want to learn the sign language, um, the course is just like this. God, You're So Good. Can you guys show them that? God, You're So Good. God, You're So Good. God, You're So Good. You're So Good to me. Okay. Let's start with amazing love. Amazing love that welcomes me, the kindness of mercy, that bought with blood, wholeheartedly, my soul
should this life bring suffering? Lord, I will. 